0: And kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out
1: with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him.
0: Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, laws. Give you. Moses helps us to see God
1: in an important way. What do we learn about God in this passage? Well, we learn that God is powerful. That it is by God's powerful hand that he delivers the Israelites. That he will take them from uh, the land of Egypt and drive away the enemies in the promised land and bring them into the land. That God is a faithful God. That the Lord is a promise-making and promise-keeping God. He doesn't forget the promise that he gave the Israelites. He remembers them and he will be faithful to them. The God is a patient God. We learn that God is patient, despite the Israelites' many failures. God relents of showing destruction, and he relents of this, and God is merciful. God gives this new generation the opportunity to be faithful and obedient. We learn that God is looking for the humble. It's interesting that he chooses the Israelites not because they are great in number, This is significant. It's not just a little tagline. God is doing something. God is taking the sort of uh, meager nation that is Israel and says, I am going to send you in and you are going to face seven nations that are mightier than you. And it is so that it can be um, incredibly clear that the one who has delivered them is the Lord God Almighty of Israel, that there's is no God that compares to him. And so they want to show God, or God is going to use this group. Not because they're special, uh, not because they're, um, they have anything uh, super unique about them. They are not incredible people, they are very meager. And God says, I'm going to use you and put my power on display. So that it would be quite clear that it was God all along. And not their military prowess, not their numbers, not their strength, not their wealth. It was none of those things. Not by any sort of earthly standards of power and prestige. God will take humble Israel and drive them out. Moses is reminding them that the God who delivered them out of Egypt will be the one that is greater than the seven nations that are before them. God is greater. God is also our Redeemer. We're reminded in this passage that He has redeemed them. He led them out of Egypt. God is faithful, and He calls them to remember God is a covenant making God. He is faithful and loving and redeemed them from Egypt, and that He will also repay those who abandon them. He, there's a sort of condemnatory tone at the end of our reading. It says, Those who hate Him, He will repay. To their face by destruction he's not going to make the next generation pay he's going to, to their face call them out and destroy them he will not be slow to repay he's going to take care of it right away so we get this picture of God God who is faithful God who gives his promises but we also get a picture of ourselves and the first thing that sort of jumps off the page is how fickle we are as people that we are easily persuaded to wander away. Moses knows very clearly that we are prone to wandering. That we, um, while we claim to be faithful and love the Lord, it's oftentimes easy for us to wander off. I, as a parent, once you become a parent, you become very judgmental of other parents. You know, and you realize, you know, like, well, they, I, we do it better than them. And one of the things that I'm very judgmental about, or have been, uh, is when, and sorry if this is you, but uh, sorry, not sorry. You know the little toddler things where they um, they have them basically on the leash? And I've always been a little judgmental of the parents. It's just like, you know, just pick them up, right, or whatever. Uh, but then when you hang out with the two-year-olds that really wander a lot, and it's like you can't keep track of them, and, and there are times where I've been in charge of that situation, and I thought... Yeah, I could see why some parents opt for the leash. And so you, once you have the experience, you sort of, you know, you step back and say, okay, maybe I shouldn't be so judgmental of, of those parents. So sorry if you're a leash parent. I'm now proponent of leashing your children if it comes to it. Um, uh, but when you think about, I, sometimes I wish God would put my heart on a leash. And my eyes and my, and my body, and it's like, God, I am way too quick to wander away from you. I see a shiny new toy, and it's like, oh, look, you know. Uh, and uh, it's, you know, it's like, oh, look, a butterfly, and you, you just sort of wander off, and, and uh, it can really start doing damage to your soul in a way. We're so prone to wander and lose sight of God. I don't know if I'm the only one. I, apparently, I am. There's lots of great feedback this morning, I, Real lively bunch today, I just love all of you so much. And you're, whatever, you guys are wandering in your own. Maybe I should get a leash for when I wander off in my sermons. That's never happened, I don't know why we would think that we would need that. I can't believe you guys would even entertain that idea. They don't, right? Where were we? All right. We learn about ourselves, our own sort of distractfulness from the goodness of God and what He offers us. We are prone to wandering. We're fickle in our faith. We find a better option and we go with it. God knows this about people, and He says to them very clearly You, know, you, you are prone to wandering. There are some things that you need to do so that this doesn't happen to you. You get distracted too easily. He reminds them that the Israelites are a chosen people. What makes them special is is not anything to do with themselves and everything to do with God choosing them. God chose them and says, I am going to covenant with you. God is the, the sort of reactor to the situation. He is the instigator of love. He is the one who's drawing them in. Nothing that's sort of special or unique about them other than God has called them out to be a holy people. We learn about people that they are redeemed by God's grace. They are redeemed because God, God is at work. God is drawing them in. God is at work in their life. So when we think about our own life and who we are, we need to know it's not anything that we've instigated. It's not anything that you've done to give yourself a special standing in the world. You are not unique. You are not special. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. God has chosen you. God has redeemed you. Jesus went to the cross for you. Jesus paid the price that you would be called out, redeemed and holy and loved. It is God working, God calling, God working to save and redeem you and gather you together to be his people. God makes you special. God works to redeem and save. God works through the cross to love you, and save you
0: and draw you in. We know, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is the faithful God, and he
1: is keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. God is the faithful, promise-keeping, loving God over all creation. So the question is, is in light of who God is and, and what we see about ourselves is, what is maybe the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? When you read this text and you come across uh, the passage where Moses says, all right, when you guys get in there and you guys get rid of all of this, the people that are occupying the land, I want you to make sure you do this. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. That sounds like one fun party, really. I mean, like just start smashing things. But there is a point there. Moses knows again that when they go in and they see all of these gods, at first they may not be prone to wandering, but certainly they will. He says, you've got to clean it all out. And we know in the story in Joshua that they don't. and It causes so many problems. But if they would just listen to this, and it's that same lesson for us, and don't, don't we often make excuses? We make excuses for the things that we keep in our life that really shouldn't be there. I can handle it. I'll be all right. I know, you, I know you've know you never said it. It's just me. I know. There is one God, and he is their Lord and their God above all and everything. And that's the point. There shouldn't be anything that detracts our worship and our love for God. And so we need to ask the important question, what needs to be tossed out? What needs to be burned? What needs to be taken out completely? that we might devote our life to God and align our life to Him and shine and glorify Him in all that we do. When we think about the things that sort of war against our soul, it's pretty easy to start, start pointing fingers at things that have drawn our attention from the worship of Jesus. The lowest hanging of fruit, in my mind, is the politics of today. We can very easily wander in our love and our devotion to Christ. And it is so easy for us to put our hope in men who are fallen and broken, whatever the letter after their name. We must be careful not to be led astray in the worship of things of this world when Christ calls for our full devotion and, uh, and, and service and love. We are easy, it's easy to get wrapped up in materialism. It's easy to get wrapped up in greed. I was uh, more paying more attention to the stock market this week than I've ever paid in my entire life, because I got a little skin in the game, and so I'm paying attention to it. And I wish I would have invested in GameStop, you know, when it was fifteen dollars. You know, I just need to be on Reddit more, I guess. But anyways, uh, Dan shaking his head like that's bad financial advice, so I won't. I won't do that. All right, note to self. Where's that leash at? uh, It's so easy for us to get distracted by the importance importance or lack thereof of materialism, of things that would draw our hearts away from God and devotion to Him.
0: There are more things. There are more things that sort of just keep eating away at us, drawing our attention away. We need to smash them, cut them out. Get rid of them. So, what else is there? What else is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning?
1: About what needs to be taken out of your life so that it can be plainly clear that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. We all have things that distract us, that lead us to wander away. We need to remember that God is calling us to be His children and devote ourselves to Him how can we help one another with the challenges that we are facing one way is to simply just find an accountability partner to say you know i have this in my life and i don't want it there anymore would you help me and walk with me you are not asked to do this journey on your own you're not asked to do this and and feel like it's just between you and god and god's ready to smite you every time you real, he realizes and points out hey You might have a couple of idols there that are causing you to wander away from me. I'm ready to smite you and blow you up.
0: God's not treating you that way. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. but He does expect you to seek him, love him, and walk with him. He doesn't expect you to do it alone. Every time I look in the scriptures, he calls people to be
1: together in his name. Calls us together to be the church. To help one another and walk together in Christ. I don't stand here on the pulpit to bully you into trying to live a holy life. I'm just asking you to walk with him and trust him. to Know that he's Lord.
0: There are some scriptures that will help us. Uh, Colossians 3. Colossians 3.5 teaches us
1: And have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Put to death. sounds an awful lot like what Moses is saying. In putting to death the idols and the sacred stones, Paul calls us to look inwardly immorality and impurity and the lust and the evil and the greed, all of these things and the wrath and the anger and the frustration and filthy language from our lips. We're being renewed in the image of Christ. We should reflect Him in this world. We're called to be that together, all one, unified, putting to death our old self and living a new life in Christ. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, we're called to clothe ourselves in compassion and kindness humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another in love, forgive one another if we have any grievances against someone. If we would get some of these things rolling, we'd really shine for Christ. It's death or old self. The idolatry is shunned in the New Testament as well. The closing words of 1 John 5 says, Dear children, don't give yourselves the well, shoot, I messed it up. I had it memorized. I need Sam to help me with my memorization skills. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. I had it in there and it, it wandered off. And Paul, he calls marriages to be equally yoked. Young people thinking about dating or they are dating, whatever's going on. Commit, you know, to commit yourself to saying, I'm going to marry a Christian. I don't know if we're advocating for that enough anymore. Joining with a fellow Christian will
0: help you. It'll make it a lot more difficult if you don't. We're called to be a holy people. And in 1 Peter
1: 2.9, it kind of brings it all together. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praise of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you were not, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God acted. God redeemed. God saved. God called you out. God made you His special possession. You are dearly
0: loved. Come back to Him. If you've wandered, come back. If you've forgotten, remember. God loves you and He cares deeply for
1: you. You are God's special possession, holy and dearly loved. Because Jesus Christ died for you. You have a place with Him. I'm willing to you know, risk my integrity to say, I think we've all wandered a time or two.
0: God is reaching out to us through His Spirit to say, Come back to me. Don't be weary in doing
1: good. Count your blessings. Be reminded of what's good in this world. I'm going to keep doing this model for a little while. This is called the Discovery Bible Study. Discovery Bible Study at DBS. And it, it's all laid out right there, and I'll share with it with you more and more again. It's just asking simple questions. What are you grateful for? What do you need to be held accountable to? There's an intercession question It's asking when we read the scripture, what do we learn about God? What do we learn about ourselves? What do we need to do? We need to get back in the Word. We need to encourage one another, talk to one another. I think this will help us. Maybe it'll work. Maybe not. But I think that we need to talk and encourage one another and build one another up in love. So I'm going to try this for a little while. It'll be predictable. But we might need a little predictability. <laughs> We're not accustomed to that. And so I'm going to pray. And I'm going to call Callie up. And then uh, we'll continue in, uh, in our celebration. Heavenly Father, we love you. And help us, Lord, as we dig into your word
0: be challenged by your Scriptures, and to know, God, that you, you love us, and you care deeply for us. And remind us today, Lord, that you do call us to a holy life. We thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. For all the times that we have fallen short of that, for all the times that we've wandered from you. Thank you for being right there when we repent. And so, Lord, we repent of our hearts and our minds that have wandered far away from you. For the thoughts that have captured us for the wealth and material things that have drawn us away. For the challenges that have caused us to doubt. The discouragements that have brought about anger and frustration. Lord, if we're not careful, it would be way too easy. Way too easy to have our hearts wander far from you and be hardened to you. Lord, as the Israelites were prone to wandering, Lord, we
1: look at them and we're so quick to condemn them for the golden calf, forgetting, or forgetting the mighty power that you displayed, and delivering them and bringing them out of Egypt and
0: through the Red Sea. Lord, they had the audacity to say that it was the golden calf that brought them out. And Lord, we know that we're quick to condemn them. Help us to see our own hypocrisy. Lord, that we've been prone to think that it was through our wit, through our strength, through our wealth, through our popularity, through our words. That we bring ourselves to a better place. That we will be forgiven and God expose that for the lie it is. The lie we tell ourselves that we can make a righteousness of our own, that we can make a way of life of our own, independent of you. Lord, as our feet are prone to wander and our hearts are prone to loving something other than you, expose our sin, expose our brokenness. Help us to fix our eyes on you. Not on earthly things. Set our mind on things above. So that when you appear, we will also appear with you in glory. We love you. Lead us to you.